Intimidated pen. Okay, okay, okay. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hi, Koli. How are you? Listen, it looks like I am the only one social distancing. Excuse me. I'm the only one flattening the curve. You, uh, you know, yeah. I'm also here flattening the curve. Even Dominic Cummings is not flattening the curve. I'm the only one. There's a whole, there's a whole group of politicians and people who have been telling us to stay at home that haven't actually been following their own order. I'm the only one who cares about the National Health Service. We all care, sis. I have not broken, not one, not even one. I'm not trying to that I have broken any rules. I am not talking about anybody else. I am only talking about me, me, Natasha, sometimes known as Vance. <laughs> I know that I have not broken any social distancing. But guys, whoo, yeah. But how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I've been at home this whole week. I haven't seen nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Has someone been trying to see you? Nobody, nobody, no. Um, that would be telling. We are Bonega. That would be telling. Now I've been good, man. I've been good. Like, I'm literally, I have been social distancing. I've been isolating. I've been, I haven't seen my friends for months. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. And remember, we're trying to do the park thing this week. Yeah. Because in the UK, you are allowed to see one other person who is not in your household as long as you're social distancing and you're outside. <laughs> so we're sticking to the rules. You know me, I care about rules. Yeah, stick like for rules. Yes. Right? And I see people out here, like people are. No, I think I people are tired, to be yeah. honest. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I think, I mean, it's the biggest, it's not the big, it's hard to kind of put what is it, the biggest thing that's ever happened, but nothing like this has ever happened to, uh, yeah. us to do things that just don't come naturally to us. So mm. it's, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And you know, um, it's something that we're going to be talking about later on today. Yes. So yeah, should we do our, our intros for those who yes. don't know us? Yes, uh, to all the new listeners and returning listeners, welcome to Girl and Sky's podcast with me, Natasha. And Colin. And I sometimes go by Nat. Let's go by Michelle. That's why I go Michelle and welcome Michelle. What's going on? Yeah, what have you been up to today? Who have you been chatting? Actually, you know, before we start, uh-huh. we need to just, um, just acknowledge Dumi's passing. Um, you know, we met him on like both my, Natasha and I met him on um on via social media on house party um he was also um with us like a couple of weeks ago on um our lives yeah. um lives lives so he was chatting with you and I think people were like you know I was like because you were like hosting that evening and so we were there just all in the comments and when he went on, you know, people like he was, his name is, was Dumi, I think Dumi Sani, and um, AKA Daddy Yolo. So people were just like, Daddy Yolo, be it gang gang, you know. Um, I think it would be quite, it's quite fitting for us to actually maybe just even dedicate this episode to him because in such a short space of time, he had such a huge impact in our lives we met him on house party you know we went on to have much more conversations you know he gave us a lot of insight into things that you know for us things that we were we weren't you know not necessarily comfortable talking about but he was for for forward thinking and he was like challenging pushing boundaries you know and making us to think outside the box mm-hmm. um you know so i think we just need to kind of do something or say something in that respect for him. He was 
um, I think he is going to be remembered fondly by a lot of people, myself included. Rest Do you have anything to say? Yeah, it's just, yeah, rest in peace, rest in peace. I, as you mentioned, you know, with, with, uh, some of you may know or not know, like on Saturdays, we you know we have a little fun with our Instagram family and we do Instagram lives. And the last week, Saturday, um, yeah, like he was lit, he was there, like he was literally on Instagram live. And I remember like he and I had like, um, I forget there's this, there's this GIF, which is like P Diddy and someone else having kind of like a face off where they look at each other, like, you know, like who's, who's going to crack first. And we kind of did that. And, um, you know, like you said, you know, I met him also at the same time. He was someone that I was getting to know and someone that as the more I interacted with him was kind of like, Oh, this would be like my kind of person, like my kind of guy, like, um and wow just looking even on social media like the tributes that people have been paying like you could just tell he was much loved you know lived such a full life so so young too i mean just 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 gone too too soon um and we know that there are people who are just hurting in unbelievable ways his family his friends colleagues um yeah and we just want to yeah just i mean there are never any right words that can um make things better but we just wanted to acknowledge that in our little space like he he was he was just such a fave and um who, who yeah like it's just such a huge loss and rest in peace to me yeah, rest in power to me. Um, yeah, it's just, it just feels difficult to even just to move on from that because I think what's happening more and more of now is that we are just burying our age mates and it just, it, I think that hurts. Like, you know, losing somebody um, is, is hard, but when you start, like, is it, I don't know, is it us? Are we just now getting older? But it just, it feels so... You can never get used to it. It's so unfamiliar. But yeah, we want to kind of, um, want to just continue. I think we will continue to live our lives and honor, you know, your life, Jimmy, in, in ours, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we will continue to be, or try to be, yeah. um, alive and present in, in, in all that we do. So yeah, so one of the things that we spoke about last week, so do you want to give a bit of a, a, a synopsis about our last episode with um, Advocate Mahere? Yes, so last episode we had Advocate uh, Fatai Mahere, um, you know, had a really great, I, what I thought was a great wide-ranging conversation, talking about what's happening in Zim, um, also just understanding a little bit more about the lockdown, you know, what that means in Zim, and I think we just had an interesting conversation about, you know, the future, and what a lot of the feedback that we got, like on Facebook, Instagram, um, on Twitter, where people, you know, feeling really inspired by what she said. Um, one of the messages that we got actually was from someone who was like, you know what, I'm in the diaspora and, you know, I feel fired up, but I don't know, like, what initiatives are there? Like what things are actually there that I can tap into? So, um, yes, I guess if you guys sort of have any ideas about the sort of like energy that we may feel in terms of contributing, like in a civic way or, you know, politically or whatever, you know, maybe just share those ideas with us. But I thought it was a really, really great conversation. Obviously, you know, well done, Michelle, you managed to get the, um, the neurologist or engineer <laughs> being there. Um, I think people, people kind of love that. You know, we've got a little, we got some tea. We've got some tea a little bit. So, <laughs> so, no, so no, it, it, was, it was good conversation. Um, so following on from that, um, you know, obviously COVID or COVID-19 or coronavirus or however you want to, to, to call it has had quite an impact yeah. in our lives. And, you know, in the last few months, whilst everything has been going on, um, I guess we spoke about how do we address COVID? Do we look, do we, do we address it from a point where we're looking ahead and say, well, what is it going to be like? Or do we wait a little bit and then kind of reflect on um, a period in time and then kind of look forward a bit to see 
what changes might might there be and also just to have a bit of um a bit more insight from what has happened in the past few months and what do we take from there to move forward so we wanted to talk a little bit today about about covid and you know kind of to look at something that i feel is i think it's quite pertinent and quite important to actually look at in the, in, in the aspect of how we are supporting the our key workers and how um you know the key work the majority of key workers are actually um black and ethnic minorities you know and the impact of that so i think that's kind of the conversation that we're going to drive today so we're quite interesting to have your thoughts as well like you know um in this and so guys as well if you're listening at home we were really quite interested so we're obviously going to be speaking from our, our from where we are standing now which is in london uk so if you have got any other comments any other feedback that you'd like to share then do let us know mm. currently as it stands there has been over um i think it's important to kind of speak from a point of positivity we have two million people who have recovered from COVID. That's like worldwide. Mm. You know, five million, I think, have been diagnosed. That's according to um, WHO. Mm -hmm. In the UK, um, we've had um, 35,000 people who are over 35,000 people who have died. Mm. Um, you know, and it, you know, we were, the curve is starting to come down. We're looking at the numbers are starting to actually, um, I think that there's a, we're in there are hundreds now. Yeah. And that's still quite a lot. You know, there's still somebody behind each number is a human being, is somebody who has, who means something to a lot of people, you know, so it's impacting a lot of people in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so the numbers continue to drop, you know. Um, and what I really wanted to talk about is a little bit more about the appreciation for our key workers. Mm -hmm. So why is this not just the NHS workers? It's the key workers because it's a lot of people have been supporting this, um, you know, supporting COVID in different ways. So not supporting COVID, but supporting people who are suffering from COVID. Um, so you're looking at people who are driving buses, looking at people who are cleaning in hospitals, looking at people who are even delivering supplies like oxygen to hospitals. So you're looking at delivery drivers. You're looking at um, people who keep the, um, you know, hotel not hotel not hotel but you know hospital services in, in terms of like linen and all these sorts of things so it's a huge 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 amount of people yeah. and there is a lady who kind of started this appreciation for the for and i think it's specifically for key workers but it seems like more nhs yeah. um so every thursday at eight o'clock people come together pots and pans people are eating people are clapping um which is such a sentimental value because there's a lot of people who are literally in the front line so to speak who are looking and caring after people who are suffering from COVID. Some people are, some people make it, some people don't make it. And there's a lot of people, I guess, who are at home who are unable to kind of say, you know what, you guys are doing a great job. So that, that coming out, that generating of community spirit mm -hmm. is a way in which I guess one person might feel like, oh, you know, this is how I say thank you, mm -hmm. you know. However, alongside that, I feel like it's really difficult for us to ignore the impact of what these people are doing, you know, the nurses who are looking after these patients, and even not just the nurses and looking after the COVID patients, not even just the nurses, like again, the support workers. So forgive me, I keep going, I'm a nurse by background, so I'm going to automatically say everyone is a nurse, but, um, but everybody who's just supporting um, the, the NHS or the health services as we go on. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, whilst we're clapping every day for these, or not every day, every Thursday for these people, there is still issues that are not being addressed, you know? So the same people who are clapping, mm -hmm. these are people who are high executives in companies who are standing out with their families, whilst the people who are actually doing the hard work are actually, are actually like caring for the patients or caring for the people who are suffering from this disease or from this illness. Yeah. It's, I think there's such a disparity you know the people who are making the most money who are, who are not you know they're not really termed as key workers they're not termed as skilled workers they're the ones who are standing outside and clapping whilst people who are doing the hard work are not being not like i don't feel like we are acknowledging them by clapping for them but we are not really looking after them 
from an individual level. So for example, you know, if you're looking at um, the lack of PPE, for example, that when the crisis first started, like when this whole pandemic started, when it was still an epidemic, there was such, um, there was no PPE. You had people, I remember reading up in news, like people buying that, wanting to buy their own PPE. There were people looking at on eBay, people looking at fancy clothes shops to actually get like, um, any forms of protective equipment. But every Thursday we clapped. We clapped for these people who kind of were working on the wards without adequate PPE, but we were clapping for them. We we're saying well done for you for risking your life, for going in there, risking your family's life as well. And what, that's what we're clapping for. We're clapping for people who are termed as low skilled or low paid um, workers. We're clapping for people who, who are the majority of, um, our, our healthcare workers are immigrants mm -hmm. and the majority of them are kind of like on pathways for, you know, for, for stay, for indefinite leave to remain. These same people, if they needed to access um, health healthcare, mm -hmm. I would, like up until a few days ago, um, Boris, Boris Johnson obviously overturned the whole immigration health surcharge saying that, you know, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be paying for this because you know what they're working in hospitals but yeah. if they are needing to access services they're paying this crazy amount of money to actually be able to say to, to be able to access the nhs these are the people that we just for people that don't know like can you explain the surcharge the hospital search how it works and like, so again, I'm not too well, like I just know this from a very superficial level. Yeah. So my understanding is that if you are on, um, like, if, you're, if you have a leave to remain in the UK and um, like, for example, if you have, if you're on a V, like, a, a, not a student, it's like a work, I don't know, work permit, so like, is it like tier one, tier two visas, okay. mm -hmm. um, you then have to kind of pay for using NHS services. So regardless of whether you use it or not in a year, mm. you still have to pay a certain amount to kind of keep the NHS going up because the health service that we get is, is termed free, yeah. um, but you pay for it in other ways. Um, so you then have to pay this immigration health surcharge. So if you're visiting, for example, you'd have to, and you've got a visa, you need to pay, they would calculate it for you to say, okay, you need to pay this amount of money if you're staying for two months or for three months or for a year or two years or three years or whatever it is. Mm. So that's kind of like, it made me think, I don't know like what your thoughts are on the whole clapping for the NHS and currently where we, we stand um, yeah. or where you, like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the clapping for the NHS, clapping for the key workers, I think is a good initiative. Um, I think at first, like when I heard about it, I was like, hmm, you're clapping, but you're not giving them hazard pay. You're not giving them more pay. But then just understanding that, you know, this was, a, 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 you know, just a normal person who just came up with this. And then, you know, governments have rallied behind it and we're seeing it all across the world. So actually, yeah, that's fine. And I do understand that as individuals, we want to feel like we're doing something. So, you know, someone actually going out, you know, clapping hands, whatever, you know, uh, beating pots and pans. If, if that's the way that you feel you're doing something, that's absolutely fine. I don't begrudge people for doing so. However, I think there's a, it's, it's been really, really, really interesting because if you think about it, like from the UK, uh, before Corona dealing with EU exit, um, but there's been talk about changing the immigration laws, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there was going to be a change where if you're not earning a particular threshold, you wouldn't be able to get a visa, right? Um, wow. And there was actually, I think the government had come out saying that there's would be no route to stay like for what they termed low skilled workers right mm. and as you said you know we're talking about nurses and all that stuff but we've got cleaners you've got porters yeah. um you've got all these people that who work in the canteens of mm. you know of hospitals all these key uh, national health service workers so number one we it, it's sort of like in 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 a way kind of like really 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 kind of made us look closely as what we call low skilled workers you know there's no one who is a low skilled workers they're lowly paid because what's happening now is all the low skilled workers are the people that we are you know we are relying on and like you were saying 
you know, I think at some, one of the episodes, we kind of alluded to it, but we didn't have time because what's happening now with this whole, you know, you know, stay at home, um, work from home if you can, you know, there is privilege that comes with who is able to work from home. Mm. For the most part, the people who really are able to work from home are people that are, you know, earning above average salaries or higher salaries because they're working in like knowledge industries or, or, the, or the industries that are not low skilled. So there's that already. Um, so I think it's the low skill thing. And then we've talked about the impact on minorities. Mm. Um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but a lot of in the UK anyway, and I think, I think it's probably true for most of the Western, Westernized world. Um, a lot of black and minority people work in these professions, right? And there's yeah. a lot of talk about, oh, um, black people and minority groups were always called minorities, minorities. Um, but actually I don't really like the term like minority, like ethnic minority. Um, I prefer to say like we're minoritized because that's what's, because clearly there's nothing minority about us in terms of all the, you know, the work that we're doing and the impact that we're having. So I think there's a really, there's something there about the low skilled and like minority people. And then if you even dig a little bit deeper is, you know, if you're working on the front line and, and all this language, I think I heard this from Kelechi, whose podcast that I listened to, all this hero language, front line, as if people had war. Yeah, it's really, it really bugs me as well. Like, you know, so what was happening before, like, there's a, people die. Yeah. There's high numbers of deaths with other, with other diseases as well. So why haven't we used such language before? You know, I under like I don't get me wrong. Like I understand that I I, I get it one hundred percent about the COVID, the number of COVID deaths and everything and the impact this has had on us and how it affects us as individuals. Because you know, whilst you have all these other diseases out there, you've got cancer, you've got hypertension, you've got diabetes, you've now got COVID as well. You know, the fact that I can walk out of this this my door right now and meet somebody with COVID and that that's impact that it could have on me or the fact that I could I'm at high risk of getting it over than over and above the other diseases I think that's that that kind of brings it home a little bit so I, I understand the impact that it has had on us as individuals and us as a society um, but I feel as well like you know the, the you're right that there's something about the language that we are using frontline you know there's a war so what's happening with people that are not making it like you know well i just i don't know how we have got to this to the place that we're at now and it's almost kind of normal for us to be using um such these this 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 language like exactly. we're fighting like exactly. you know stay alert you know from something that you can't really see you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's this language, this war language of, you know, it's almost like, it's, you know, we're being prepared that, okay, you're being put on the front line because we're not giving you adequate protection. You know, mm. we're not, um, and, you know, I'm not, you know, medically inclined, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk about head immunity and all that stuff, which is essentially, you know, at the moment with COVID, there's no there's no direct treatment for COVID. There's no vaccine for treatment. I mean, they're trying different therapeutics here and there, which, you know, working in, in different ways. But that language is really, really worrying. And then what I wanted to say as well is, obviously for us, you know, our interests, you know, we, we are Africans, we're Zimbabweans. Um, so I remember, I think, in 2018, um, at the time, the, there were figures that showed that um, Zimbabweans made the second highest number of African immigrants working in the National Health Service. Um, at, at the time, it was over 4,000. Mind you, these are um, figures of people that have Zimbabwean documentation. There are so many other people who are you know, Zimbabwean of Zimbabwean heritage who perhaps have now become naturalized citizens of the UK, right? Mm -hmm. 
So if you think about it, we, we already make a huge chunk. And um, there is an article that I saw. Um, obviously, I can't verify these numbers, but an April article which said at the time that there were 29 Zimbabweans that wow. lost their lives who were who worked in the healthcare. So ranging from being nurses to care workers, uh, working in, in healthcare. Um, and that was an, Af an um, article on allafrica.com and that was an April article. But I saw someone on social media where uh, someone said the number was 45. Bearing in mind that currently the numbers that we have of um, uh, healthcare workers that have lost their lives in the United Kingdom is about 200. Yeah, and that's what I had as well, like over. And it's likely to be underreported as well, like um, in terms of the number of deaths. Um, like I was reading this article, they're like, oh, you know, um, this is what we have, but the, that number is likely to be a lot, lot more. Because again, I guess, you know, you, you, you're going to be coming, you're going to come to a point where you're going to be like, okay, after a year this is this is the this is the correct number or this is because as time progresses you get more you know you might find that there's been a little bit mis misreporting here and there um so you might but i think the honest truth is that number is likely to be a lot a lot lot higher mm -hmm. and you know what i found interesting is that there is one one in three key workers are of a black and ethnic minority so that's a huge huge number and if you think about the number of Zimbabweans who have also come over and you know if you think about at that time like the people who came at all were not all but the majority tended to go into the route of support work or healthcare because of the work mm -hmm. because of the access to papers at the end of the day and then I think as time has progressed people are kind of venturing into different things government you know because we are now able to kind of um, venture into different aspects, but really and truly health and social care has been, yes. it's, it's a huge, it's a huge, um, uh, there's a huge number of people who are employed um, mm. in, in, in that industry. And the thing is, if, if you're looking at one in three key work, one in three key workers being black and ethnic minority, and then you look as well, like um, the number, you're 3.7 times more likely to die compared if you get COVID compared to your white counterparts. And then you look at the, and then of course, that number, I think you mentioned 49. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of um, people to die. And the, the question we were asking ourselves is like, why? Why is there such a high number in, of, of deaths within our community, within our communities as Zimbabweans, within our communities as Africans? Mm. as Zimbabweans and as just as black and ethnic minorities. So this is kind of the questions that we were, we were bouncing around ourselves. And again, if you look at, if, if we look again, at, this is some of the reasons, we obviously don't know all the answers. Mm. Um, but if you look again at the fact that some people who are, are here with their families, so we mentioned, for example, the, the health surcharge. So, you know, for like a family of four, mm. people were getting charged 2,500 for a year just for um to pay the immigration health surcharge so you find that there's this term called relentless working so you're kind of working constantly just to keep on top of things so this is on top of your bills your top of your national insurance and top of your taxes you still have to pay this health surcharge so you kind of always are behind your your counterparts who are you know already 2500 pounds a family of four people have got more you know and then you've got your black tax you've got people that you're supporting back home mm -hmm. so it kind of made sense to me that and i've been there as well like you know you kind of throw yourself into shifts and i guess if we're looking at a situation where there's like covid mm -hmm. you're like okay i need i need to work you know if i don't work i don't earn i don't earn a living so you put yourself down for more shifts and you're putting yourself at more risk of um, contracting um, COVID. And it just made me think, Kuti, you know, how is it that we are at a place where you're having to choose between your, 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 your health and well-being and, and finances? You know, like how do we, how have we got to such a place where you are being, you, 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 you there's this term, this relentless working where you're kind of working all the time to kind of keep on top of things. Mm -hmm. And how is it that we can never, 
actually just edge that step forward compared to everybody around us. Mm -hmm. And it's just because like, I just almost feel like we are being, um, I feel we're being disadvantaged by the system, so to speak. You know, I don't know if it's fair to say that, but I, I genuinely feel that, that, you know, if we didn't have half of the things that you had to kind of fork out, then we'll be okay. And we think about people as well who are on different levels of visas. Like if you were, if you have an underlying condition and you're like, oh, actually, no, I don't particularly, I don't feel safe. Like, I feel like I should be shielded. Like what access of support does that, do, do you get then? You know, so then you find that people are then putting them. So we as a black population where again there's diseases that are very specific to us hypertension diabetes etc so you find that somebody who's probably in that high about in a vulnerable group is then putting themselves in that position and you know increasing the risk of developing covid mm. Mm. so it's a bit tricky i guess and the other side of it is that like you know again the government kind of came up with an initiative which, if somebody died, a key worker died, your family was granted 60,000 pounds and indefinite leave to remain for the whole family. And obviously I don't know just what the whole family entails, like you're doing this immediate family. But I was just like, wow, you know, compared to, it's like, it's like carrot or, or stick, you know, like how are you even putting that like on, I, mean, I suppose, you know, you do need to kind of think about the people who have died, but then why can't we make the conditions better for those who are living too? Yeah. And I think there's also something about, I like the term relentless working. Mm. Should, that should be the, the podcast title. Um, and I think there's something there just about the, the vulnerability that you have as an immigrant, right? Mm. You know, we've had that case of the woman who worked at the train station and she was fat um, Apparently she had been asking for PPE or she felt she wasn't safe. Um, I think there's something about, you know, we've talked about this even when we talked to, like in our domestic violence episode and another episode when we talk about healthcare actually, is just, for example, your immigration status plays a big role in, it, it really drives your behavior. A lot of times so if you know you've been working in a certain place maybe you're thinking oh you know i've got a year now to be able to apply for my permanent residency so you know what i have to be going to work because you know this is my lifeline so i think that is the main difference that for a lot of us this is our lifeline but for our counterparts it is not their lifeline so they can actually say i don't feel safe i am not coming in and no one can say anything about that. And I was talking to somebody um, who was working in a COVID ward, and they were saying that some of their counterparts who, who happened to, to be white, like, they were nowhere to be seen in the wards at all. Like, literally, sometimes, like, oh, they, they were now part of, you know, like, a research team or somewhere, but not in the wards, because they were, like, I'm not doing this or whatever. And then you kind of feel like, mm, I don't have that same urgency where I can say, I can't do this work because I need this work. So you're being put on the front line. And um, I was speaking to, yeah, I was speaking to the same person as well who was saying that a lot of these like agency jobs now, like they're even offering so much more money and then they're sending us like to, to be in the front. And we know it's taken so long to fight for the PPE, like the protective clothing, right? First of all, so there's just there's just so much of that and imagine some of our people maybe you know they're still in the process of fixing their immigration status so imagine if you've been working somewhere at a care home for the past three four years your paperwork is still at the home office it's pending right and you're just thinking I can't not go to work because this is my lifeline if these people don't give me a job or if these people say you know don't come then where will I go? Because I need my paper. So yeah. it's it's just yeah, it's 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 quite interesting. And I do know like what you said about the underlying health conditions, which are really, really, really important. I mean I don't know too much, but I but what I do think is there was a time in the news where like we know okay we need to be healthy and everything. Um but I did feel like that was almost being 
geared to be weaponized against mm-hmm. us minoritized people mm-hmm. at a later stage to say, well, the numbers are high because you guys ABC. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not true, but I could see it in the news that there's something here. And I think we, 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 it leaves us in a vault. That's why we need to start having these conversations now. And like you said at the beginning, in six months' time, four months' time, we may look back and have more information and have a different view. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to start really at least having these conversations so that we can, I don't know, support the people around us as best we can. There's really something about building a community um more than ever now we we need we you know you really need even, even if it's just to kind of check in on each other but you know we don't like other groups we can't really compare ourselves because you know these are groups that have been here for years that have a lot of wealth but actually that actually have community parts of money right so like we were talking about like the turkish in north yeah. london yeah right that you know a lot of them who have like high street shops and stuff like literally there are people within the Turkish community who are very wealthy, right? Mm. Who've put in money. So like every week, like families get, and it's not to be paid back. It's just mm. like, now yeah. so imagine if I wish I could be a millionaire to be able to like help people as well. Yeah. But I'm just saying we don't have those structures. Yeah. And I was listening to something, um, the news a few days ago about uh, Som- Somalians have actually started um, a similar venture where because um i don't quote me on this but it's something along the lines of they were finding that you know going to a food bank for example um you weren't getting food that people from like that region or from that country would, would particularly enjoy or eat um so they started they were like oh you know what we're going to do something up ourselves and got some funding from somewhere but then their cry was for more funding because they're like, oh, you know what, this is what we have started. We want to continue with it. But we are finding that we can't um, continue because of lack of funds. And I was just like, just a simple thing like that, where you're looking at food, they're like, you know, people from um, Somalia, they, there's language barriers. So they're not even going to be able to say that I don't eat this. They're like, okay, as a group of Somalians, they just started uh, something. And this is in East London. So all Tower Hamlets, they have like a, a soup kitchen so to speak um, and they make their food and then they go and deliver it out to people which I thought was quite amazing and which kind of makes me want to talk a little bit more about the social impact of of, of this so you know there's been a lot of um, there's been a, there's been a, obviously not obviously but there's been a higher there's been a higher rise high cases of domestic abuse um, and this is not just within our community but as a whole Mm-hmm. Um, things like, you know, I was chatting to one of my friends who's a social worker um, with kids and there's like less children being referred onto their service because, you know, children are not going to school. So just the whole impact of things like that, it just makes you really think, okay, there's just so much mm-hmm. going on out there. But with all that going on, there's also something about loneliness, mm-hmm. you know? So social isolation is something that has been kind of... Um, put upon us mm. but loneliness is something that's very subjective you know and I think you know there's also all this evidence that kind of shows that you know when one is lonely um mm. for prolonged periods of time it causes in- issues with your health so you get high 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 BP you know inflammatory processes are increased so you're more at risk of developing com- like other health conditions yeah. but I don't know like what are your thoughts like how have you coped with um with loneliness um, and just what are your thoughts on the whole, like, like we spoke about domestic violence, didn't we, in one of our previous pods as well. Yeah. And, and that was like in normal times. So can you imagine now? And like, yeah, I mean, loneliness is a big thing. Like it's quite a big thing. Apparently I remember reading that um, I think loneliness is, is, could be as dangerous as um, having 15 cigarettes per day. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I just think, so when we think about, so, okay, your question was like, how how am I coping with it? Or Mm -hmm. (sighs) to be honest, I, I do sometimes feel lonely Mm. and I live with my aunt. Mm. Um, so it's not like I don't have human interaction, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen my friends. 
um I haven't seen you <laughs> I haven't seen my friends for a while I haven't done like you know I've literally just been going to the shops and going to the park um although I will say for me like social media and you know all like I feel like I've been more social you know mm-hmm. like, like the insecure review mm-hmm. on Monday we do like the like house party and all that stuff so in a way and I think I'm naturally I'm a, I'm an extroverted introvert if that's a thing I think I think you're just extroverted darling I don't think I'm just extra no I'm extroverted with introverts we are not in the same whatsapp group no i am i I, there's a term to there's a term a fancy term that i'm forgetting which means i'm an extrovert when i'm comfortable yeah but when i'm not i really can just be you know so so for me obviously because i'm proactive so i find ways to kind of be like because i don't i don't quite agree with that i think you're just an extrovert full stop I think you, maybe you've never seen me in spaces where I'm not comfortable. Maybe you've I've never been in lots of spaces, and I can I can't count in one hand places where I thought you were uncomfortable. But okay, maybe I remember a lot of my challenge is more in like the corporate world. Okay. I I think sometimes I do find myself like oh, like but where's and it's something to do sometimes with the 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 composition of the people because that'll be the only one maybe who looks like me okay. I mean? okay so i think there's that um but yeah i think loneliness is a thing i mean i try and reach out to people and text them as much as i can but i've i was seeing something yeah. huh no 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 don't do please don't do that don't do that don't don't, don't stop my business out in the streets okay. I that is that is the most important thing that i how i do it it does not matter. <laughs> it, it means I've thought about you. So, any, so anyway, um, I was seeing somewhere where people are like, oh, if someone hasn't reached out to you during this quarantine season, you know where you stand in their life. It's like, no, this is like not a normal time. People are different. I find myself like now, um, I take, but I, I think it's a, a number of things. I think because I'm actively being more social, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot of people in my space. So I'm getting a lot more messages and sometimes so overwhelming for me to respond to people. So sometimes I'll take a day or two or even longer because I'm just looking, I'm like, Oh my God, like I've got all these like messages. So I think you can't, you can't really look at how people act now and say, Oh, this is how they feel about you. I may be laughing, but this is just not a normal time. People had plans for 2020. People had dreams for 2020. And then this is happening. And then I was also thinking, you know, it's lonely. It can be lonely. So when we think about like just our context as well, right. I mean, there's people maybe who live alone. Imagine how lonely that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe most of their interaction was, was through work with their colleagues. Yeah. You know, that's really important, but also mm-hmm. like just sometimes how you relate to people back home, mm-hmm. right. If you're an immigrant, We've talked about this before that sometimes we've, it, that it can feel, and again, this is not generalized, this is generalizing, but you know, it probably isn't true for a number of people, but that the relationship can feel very transactional. You're, mm. you know, you're in the UK, you're in America, you're in Canada or, or wherever you're in South Africa, you're sending money, mm. right? So that's the transactional relationship. And, and, but then now, you know, we're now like in the epicenter of things that are happening. It's kind of like tables have turned where I think you almost need more support from people back home. It may not be financial, it may, but it's, it's emotional. Understanding, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Because there's just like, you know, if you're thinking about the whole, the social impact of COVID and I guess what you're, what you're, you, you, what you're, what you're needing from people back home, what I feel is like just that understanding, what you know, what this, these are challenging times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you're right that people do kind of um, deal with things in different ways. So how you 
choose to kind of reach out to your to people how you choose to reach out to us is is you reaching out and i think that is the most important thing whether it's a phone call or whether it is uh, an email whether it is a text message i think it's important that you are finding ways to kind of keep that going um loneliness in itself like i was reading somewhere that they, they, they defined it as an epidemic you know so when you add things like like sort of financial insecurity you know looking at the number of deaths that we've had whether it's of a friend or you know a relative um of a family member whatever it is all those things kind of impact on um on loneliness so they make it they, they can make you feel more socially isolated from the world outside mm-hmm. um and i was reading this one article and they were like looking at like you know it, after covid i don't know what after covid is but i guess maybe when we've kind of flattened the curve they'll be looking at post traumatic stress because of the way people have dealt with with death um because if you're looking at if if you ekadi say when people were dying you know people were being buried without their water and people were, were coming home and they were iso- not coming home but they were already isolating so you had to be isolating for 14 days you didn't have anyone to apart from video phone calls you didn't have someone to come and sit with you even just to hold your hand just to kind of be like to be with you in that particular time people had to find other ways of being with someone mm-hmm. and you know what i have felt like from from my from my line of work is i've spoken to a lot of people who have lost partners or family members and while I was I felt like you know I feel very much out of my death and giving bereavement support it's heartbreaking it's heartwrenching to hear someone talk about you know I lost my husband and I see him everywhere in this house and I wasn't able to be at his graveside when he was actually put down I am alone I have no one can come and visit me I have you know I can only go out to to get food or food is delivered for me it's just it's hard so the whole impact of this and then you think about us as well like um immigrants some of us are living alone or you're living um you know with significant others and what happens when you lose the other person and we are such a community of people who come together you know what we're doing a failure the first thing you drop everything or you're just able just to go and sit with them you hang and you know you come together and you just either sing just to be in that um that person's presence to kind of offer support in that way but the things like that have been taken away from us so i don't know i guess moving forward platforms like what you're talking about that how whole support as as a group is is needed like you know you need to kind of have something where you can draw into to to something or some or someone you know just having that opportunity to speak with somebody or even just you know it brings to mind like there's this young girl who was out in the news this girl um forgot her surname her first name is Chichi mm-hmm. her mother was a single mother she she passed away she was a nurse mm-hmm. and they're looking at um how they can how her church group were actually looking at how they can keep Chichi in this country um because you know she had she had literally had nobody else and it's just like it's just heartbreaking you know and she she brave girl was on the news talking about how she found her mom was such an inspiration you know and she wanted to stay here she wanted to continue education here but it's just little things like that it's just mm-hmm. there's going to be so much that we need to kind of unpack i suppose sometime in the future and really address things like isolation social and so social isolation and loneliness as well and how we how we deal with that in in the future yeah and i think another thing obviously i think we'll kind of have to oh man i'm just thinking of the the 12 year old mm. that's hard um another thing that we'll probably have to unpack when we have more time mm. is you know we're talking about the impact of you know all this post traumatic stress and all the things that we haven't really even found the language for that we probably will have a la- you know the terms for in months to come but i think there's also something about sort of going back to that whole privilege gap right mm. and the whole like people who are able to work from home who are able to you know who are hardly impacted so i would say you know even if say for example you're like a black person or well a minoritized person um in some way 
you even if maybe you have the resources you've got a secure job or whatever you're hearing the stories around you right they're within your circle but in comparison to some of our counterparts who are so far removed that it's just in the news right mm -hmm. if we think about there's going to be such a i, I want to call it privilege gap which mm -hmm. is there are people who you know they've been at home they're working from home they wake up every morning they do exercise with joe or whatever that I Instagram guy. you know people are you know every thursday there's a zoom party there's this people are exercising people are doing quarantine boot camp people are people are you know like oh my god and maybe they're saving money they're thinking oh my god i'm not paying for commute you know i'm saving money um and and when they come out of this they'll be quote-unquote better off right mm -hmm. and there are the people and we're even seeing it now because a, a lot of the driver to like reopen and whatever is coming from people who've kind of like been like okay it's not really impacting me and you can see like how they're affected so we're going to have such um a, a, a people will not be able to relate to each other there'll be people when quarantine is over who are like i'm flying out to bora bora i'm doing this i'm doing that and then there's people who are like i don't have a job my whole life has changed i've lost someone and it's kind of like how will society like that empathy that understanding i don't know yeah yeah no it's so it's so true um the privilege gap is my classic calls it um but yeah so i'm also very uh conscious of our time um mm -hmm. but you know what do you think like moving forward like how do you think things are going to 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 look I, I mean i saw your friend pretty fatal said you know uh in terms of travel there'll be 14 day um isolation for every for all international travel mm. so you know just thought i'd let you know because i know you are, you are eating yeah you know um my one of my best friends is getting married in september and i had been looking forward to going there to to going to zim so i don't know what that means i know in zim they've got 14 day quarantine i'll do that yeah, yeah, yeah. um so like in the uk they're saying yeah you have to and it's kind of like but that should have been the case i should have been saying people should should but then i think like i'm saying again going back to my privilege gap thing People who are able to work from home, right? That's not going to stop them from traveling because they'll come back and they'll they'll quarantine work from from home. Yeah. So the fourteen day thing is not going to, you know, uh, be a disincentive for them to travel and all that stuff. But it will impact other people. We don't know what it means in terms of like the expense of travel and all that stuff, right? Um, so yeah, it's really hard to see like what what the future is, but yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, be interesting to see. And I think there is, you know, at first we, again, this is just to show you how quickly things change. We used to talk about post-COVID, mm -hmm. but now we just realize that actually COVID is something that's going to be there, like in the background, you know, mm -hmm. of our lives. It's just going to be, um, it's not, it's not going to go away. The talks mm -hmm. about the second wave that might be, um, you know, that might impact us a bit more. Um, again, nobody knows, but it's all these spe all this speculation. Um, but the last thing to touch on is just like, what are your thoughts on the whole testing the vaccine in 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 Africa? Yeah, I mean, gosh. I about that. I actually no, I know how I feel about that. Like, come on, like you know, we have in Africa, we've got other diseases that are taking precedence than COVID. Mm. So if you look at the way COVID has affected um, us here in, in, in the UK compared to, um, to, to Africa or it, United States comparing to it's here and here, it's, the gap is just wide. And I feel like it's a little bit of, it's a bit uh, it's wrong to mm. kind of take, to take that vaccine and test it on people back home, like in Africa, when there's people here quite more risk of getting it done in Africa. Mm. I feel like it's a violation of research ethics, my thoughts, but then I'm not a, a researcher. No, um, I, I absolutely hear you. Um, and I think it's just the way that it was kind of like, just say flippantly, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we can test it in Africa. Um, although, you know, 
in in terms of like the world of global research africa shouldn't be behind you know in, i agree I agree. made a comment that you know once there's vaccine or once there are therapeutics there shouldn't be like africa should not be behind the queue like they should not be at the back of the line and i, I don't know if you're going to touch on this just quickly but so it's been interesting that um so Africa, just generally as a continent, mm-hmm. uh, I think the latest article um, I think that you sent said that they had been was it three thousand three thousand deaths I think across the continent, mm-hmm. um, yeah, more three thousand one hundred yeah across the country. This was as of the twenty fourth of May. And mm. the headline was, Oh, coronavirus is taking a different path in Africa mm. um, by the World Health Organization. Mm. And it's it's been so there's a number of things. Again, as you said, COVID is, is here for a while and it's kind of like how we adapt to it. But there was something like in the news and headlines, like you could almost see like oh my God, this will devastate Africa. This will ravage Africa. Like yeah. you could almost see like, they were like, like, oh, how come it hasn't, uh, you know, like if you, how come there's, there are no incidents in Africa? And it's kind of like the reporting was very much on some, I don't know if it was Europe or the Western world trying to make themselves feel better. Like, mm. oh, you know, but you know, Africa, oh, how, how, how are they going to do with it? You know? And you can see now, it's kind of like, people are like, how come the numbers are not growing at, a, at the same exponential rate as they were in Europe? So I thought that was really interesting. And I think the article that you shared sort of like said a number of things. One, which is just the, the demographic, um, a demographic, so like the, it's younger population being mm-hmm. one. Um, and also to do with the the measures that African countries took, they were very proactive. Do you remember that video of the Ugandan woman who was like, Mm-mm, "If you're coming here, you can stay there. Where are you going?" <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was genius. Like a, a lot of African countries, like lockdown. I think South Africa has been great in this lockdown because South Africa is the gateway to most of Africa for for for, for travel. Again, not to say that individual countries have not, you know, we have not made mistakes, but I think what we're seeing is, um, I hope that I, my prayer is that Africa does not experience what Europe has oh, experienced yeah. at all. I think, gosh, we need a break. Like our continent needs a break. Like. And what I'm hoping is like, in terms of like moving forward is that as developments are made with COVID, um, that as a continent, we kind of benefit from the learnings mm. and like the knowledge, and then we're able to kind of implement it. So you're seeing like in a lot of African nations, it's kind of like wear, wear masks. And to be honest, like the UK has been very behind on that, <laughs> on like wear masks in public. Um, Yes. And hopefully even like when therapeutics, you know, come, like we can benefit from it. But I think, I think my call would be to any, anyone who has a skill or whatever, I think it's our duty to really help like Zim help our countries as much as we can. I've seen people doing great things online, like in terms of like, putting information in bite size in different language in Isindebele, in Shona, in Kosa, in all these different languages. Like let's continue doing that. Because we're seeing that this whole like being apart is such a challenge for us. So there's gonna be a conversation around like if I'm here, the rest of my family is in South Africa, like what happens if another pandemic, you know, comes? or you know or whatever the case may be um and i think for us also just living in this world this this world that is anti-immigrant we're seeing what's happening it's kind of like like is is europe an option like like should we go back home so we want home to work for us because we want it to be a viable option yeah no i agree 100 percent um 
you know, sometimes you, you, you hear a lot of, or, you know, you guys have it a lot better, like, um, over there, but, you know, over there also has its own, own challenges. And just like, as you rightfully said, it is difficult to be an immigrant. It's difficult to carry yourself or be your whole self in some situations, just like you're saying, corporately at work and stuff, even on the streets, you know, we, not that we're saying that all, um, you know, that everyone is bad. It's not, not the case. Obviously, there are good people, but we just feel the system itself doesn't necessarily mm. always kind of encourage you to kind of develop or to flourish or to grow. There's always challenges. And, you know, you're looking at, um, oh my goodness, we need to talk about, at another episode, we need to talk about uh, little fires everywhere and just about the impact of race um, in America and, you know, and the little nuances that we experience here in 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 uk for example mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but yeah oh good oh good so that was um that was that was um a good reflective i guess piece on and a, a bit of looking back and kind of looking forward a little bit on on the impact of covid on our lives and how it will impact our lives our travel lives you know i mean how are you supposed to meet if you're in a long distance relationship? You know, how are those like cancelled forever? COVID, <laughs> COVID said no. COVID, <laughs> now. COVID man, not on my watch. Not, COVID said you people don't respect your craft. Yes. So I, I will make you respect your craft. I'll show you what respect you but but um but no no but uh, yeah anyway just like mm-hmm. hope you guys are keeping safe mm-hmm. and yeah i feel like i should be doing more but i don't know what no i i disagree listen i've had a week off and i have done nothing apart from harass you of course getting yeah uh, i have enjoyed doing nothing it's just it's good just to also just to appreciate this time because things will kind of kick back to a new normal and you're expected to kind of be again back to the level crazy levels that we were at before but it's also just nice just to stop and just relax and just take that's fair that's fair um i wanted to what what we're gonna do i wanted to play something for you yeah, go for it. I sent you something, but I don't know if you ever checked it out. Can you hear this? Amber Mark, have you heard of her? Yeah, I have. I have. So why anticipating when you're rolling in my mind? It can't be measured. I'm feeling like. I would give up everything just to call you mine, cause I'll stay waiting you, and anything I do it all for you, baby, I'll stay waiting that's a good song i sent it to you did you listen to it i did and did i not ask you this question and you didn't respond to it what question was that what are you waiting for that song says i stay waiting for you i just loved it like i heard it on the friends of podcast Mm-hmm. I loved it so so and I started listening to her stuff. Then I got into your world listening to Gallant, Black, Brent, Brent what yes, 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 yes. I I, I, I got into your bag. This is my favorite song at the moment. Let's go. The body's on fire. Ooh, 
This was a post quarantine. Break me off. Get it up. We are ready for post quarantine. Child! More than ready. More than ready. You know, like, um, what I was saying, like, let me find something. You know, there's this poem um, written by W.H. Davis. It's the first two lines. It's, what is this life if full of care? We have no time to stand and care. To stand and stare, sorry. So what is this life if full of care? We have no time to stand and stare. It's a really beautiful one. So it's okay to rest. It's okay just to stop and just appreciate everything that is around you. Yeah, and not post quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just seeing the the screen, the news. Uh, is there some tea? Somebody tweeted from the <laughs> government's <laughs> Twitter account or something. <laughs> some tea, but anyway, Molly, ladies, my niggas. Something on my niggas. Hey! Hey! Hitting it. So guys, really important. Public dresses. Ladies, my niggas. Staying with a young adult in the house, honestly. Support our episode, our podcast, and please PayPal us um, on. My girl in skies, paypal.me forward slash my girl in skies. Um, and also follow us on all socials. We are there. Are we doing it? Are we doing a live this weekend? On Saturday? Oh, it's a bank holiday. Or do you mean the weekend coming? Oh, sorry, because we're going to put this out later on this week. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, catch us as well. We do some Instagram lives. Yes, yes. We do Instagram lives. Oh, and, uh, and also, please send us any dilemmas. We should have a dilemma. We've got, we've got a few in our inbox, actually. We should just maybe yeah. deal with those. We've, we've got things. apologies, guys, for not yet, yeah. like, digging. We get to them. We get to them. Oh. But anyway, honey, love and light, whatever it is that you Husa people say. What do you say? Love and light. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.